Well, to start our year off, I've asked JT to share with us this morning, so let's give it up for JT. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. How are you guys doing? Good. Yeah, good jackets. Hey, by the way, the jackets are playing great. The Cavs are playing great. Let's not mention a game that happened last night. Let's just pretend it didn't happen. All right? But the jackets are playing great, and Cavs are awesome. So let's just talk about that today. Let's do that. Hey, this is a cool opportunity to, to all gather together. We don't, we don't do this enough. This is fun. But it, and it's a cool opportunity for me to, uh, to take the first sermon of the new year. So I get, I get to talk about whatever I want. and what, Whatever I say is going di- to dictate the rest of the year. So, so this, is, this is really important. Um, but typically, these, these, the sermons that kind of fall around new year, uh, a lot of times we'll, talk, we'll look back at the, the previous year We'll look forward to the, to the upcoming year, and uh, we're going to do that today. But what I want to do mostly is I do want to take, a, take, take a, just a day to set a foundation of who we are as a church. You know, we've had a lot of new people come into our church over the last year. We have a lot of people who've been here for a, for a long time, too. But we, we, we want to just, just take one weekend to set a foundation of who we are, what, what we focus on, what we believe. And what I mean is, if you, if you look around, if you just look around at our country, at our world, at our community, there are so many things that just demand our attention. There's so many issues that just jump out like, oh, this is a big deal. We ought to do something about this. And you know, as a pastor, I regularly have people who will come to me and say, hey, we, we should really get involved in this ministry. Like there's a, there's, you know, did you know that the, the, the sex trade is a huge issue in, in our country and, and just at the, the truck stops here on 71, it is like a major hub and people say we should get involved in that and people will come and say we should get involved with foster care, or we should get involved in this or that or, or all kinds of things. And I think there are so many things in our world, in our culture, that just demand our attention, that are good, uh, noble issues to fight for. It could be social issues. They could be issues just in our life, like marital issues, or financial issues, or, or you know, spiritual issues, all kinds of things. So, so what is our focus as a church here at Vineyard Church, Delaware County? What is our focus? You know, you can, you can look at a church and oftentimes you can tell pretty fast what, what their main focus is. Like, maybe they're focused on outreach and evangelism or they're, they're focused on, you know, supernatural uh, healing ministry or they're, they're really good at building community or, you know, worship or social justice or all kinds of things. But what about us? What is our focus? And I want to look at it from a church perspective I want to look at it as, as, as a, you know, a collective, like what is our focus together, and then individually what our, what our focus is. So we're going to be looking at three main things today. We're going to be looking at our focus, what our main focus is. We're going to be looking at what our source is, and we're going to be looking at our call, and we're going to dive into those things. 
So our focus, our source, and our call. But why don't, why don't you just join me in prayer before we jump in? Holy Spirit, we invite you here. Lord, we, we thank you for all that you did in this past year. Lord, I know for some of us this was a difficult year. For some of us, this was a wonderful year. But we, we thank you for being a God who is unchanging, a God that we can count on. And Lord, we, we look forward to all the things you're going to do in 2017. And we ask that you come and bless us and speak to us this morning. Amen. So in, in 2016... Uh, the pastors and, and leaders in the church made a, a conscious decision. We made a, uh, just a decision to, to talk a lot about outreach. We wanted to, 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 to really kind of shift a lot of, uh, of our leanings to, to being outward focused. So, you know, we, did, we started off early in the year and we did a, a sermon series called the Go Series. And this was all just based off of the, the, um, the verse in the Bible to go and make disciples of all nations. This was, was Jesus' it's known as the Great Commission. This was Jesus commissioning the church to go and make all to, to make disciples of all nations. And so we took months and talked about what that looks like, what it looks like to go, what it looks like to be a disciple what it looks like to make disciples. And we talked about all different facets about this, whether it's foreign missions or, or prayer or evangelism or all, all, just all different uh, you know, facets of what it means to go and make disciples. But it was a very outward-focused series. And we followed that series up with a, a series called The Church in Motion. And this was a look at the book of Acts. And Acts, if, I mean, we just went through it, but Acts is a amazing book that is about the church uh, beginning to expand. It's the church, you know, including those who are excluded and going and spreading the good news of the gospel and, and just going out, sending people out to, to different places. So this was very outward focus. And in the midst of all that, we did our Beyond the Building campaign, which was all about wanting to be a church that was bigger than just this building. And we wanted to be a church that was just beyond the building, that would focus on things outside of these walls. And, and this was a chance for us to mobilize our, our resources and our people. To, and this is what the GO meetings that we're doing are, to, to, to figure out how can we be beyond the building, whether it's missions or, or you know, different areas like Knox County or Delaware City, just different ways we can get beyond the building. So if you've been around for the past year, you might say that our focus as a church is outreach, that our focus is being outward. And let me say something, that is something we really highly value. We, we feel called and we value being outward focused, but let me say that is not our top focus. That isn't our top focus. Yes, we want to be a generous church with our money. We give away lots of lots and lots of money to missions and to different things that happen. We want to really invest in our food pantries and medical clinics, and we want to, uh, you know, train and equip us to to be outward focused. And that's a that's a huge uh, passion of ours, but it is not our primary focus. 
Our primary focus as a church is this. We want our focus to be Christ. We want Jesus to be our primary focus. I know that sounds super churchy or semantics to some of you guys, but it's really not. And let me tell you why. If, as you walk into our church, you, you, you'll see uh, a stone that's placed uh, right in the wall. And it's, it's a verse that I, I, I believe uh, God spoke to my dad to say, let's make this our primary focus of the church. And it's, it's 2 Corinthians 11.3, and, and it says to pursue a pure, simple devotion to Christ. To pursue a pure, simple devotion to Christ. That is our focus. We want everything else that we do to flow out of our devotion to Christ. It has to be the thing that we are purely focused on. Paul says in, in 1 Corinthians 2, he says this, it's so amazing. He says, I resolved to know nothing while I was with you, but Christ crucified. This is hyperbole, obviously. He obviously knew how to speak. He knew how to do other things. But what he's saying is everything else, good things, bad things, everything else feels like nothing compared to, to my focus on Christ. He resolved to know nothing. And everything else that we do as a church, whether it's a good thing or, or not, has to, to come second or third or fourth to Jesus our focus on Jesus. And this is all throughout scripture, to focus on the Lord. Put your eyes on Jesus. Focus on God. And this is something that can be really obvious. This can be something that many of us know, but I think it's something that we often mess up. We often get this really confused and mess it up. I know when I first became a pastor, this was um, approaching a decade ago now, but when I first became a pastor, I, you know, was doing a lot of sermons and leading worship and leading Bible studies and doing all these things that were uh, about Jesus, but I realized, like, I was never opening my Bible for myself. Like, I was never opening my Bible to, to read about Jesus. I was opening my Bible to prepare a teaching, and I was doing all these things that surrounded Jesus, but I had lost my focus on Jesus. Does that make sense? I was preaching, I was leading worship, but I was not pursuing Jesus. And I think this is something that regularly happens in my life. This is honestly, this is a daily prayer that I pray as I say, Lord, I know that already today I focused on a million things other than you. So help me focus on you today. Help me focus on you. And I think if we're honest, a lot of us would struggle with this. And I think we can struggle with this as a church. We can put the things that Jesus calls us to do above him. Like outreach. Like you know, marriage ministry, like all of these really good things, we can put it above Jesus as a church. You know what that's called when we elevate things above Jesus? It's called idolatry. It's idolatry. 
And for a lot of us, when we think about idolatry, what we think about is, you know, worshiping statues, and that, that can be idolatry. But really, a, a simple definition of what idolatry is, is elevating anything in your life, anything in your life, above Jesus. Saying that this takes priority in my life. Tim Keller, who's one of my favorite authors, he calls idolatry disordered love. He talks about how we're called to love a lot of things, but we disorder it. We, we take things that we're called to love, like, like our family, and we put it above God. Or we're called to, to work hard and to, to you, know, you know, have a career and take care of our families, but sometimes we put our career above God, and it's disordered love. So as a church, if we're making anything else the focus, like evangelism, like worship music, like, like inner healing, if we're making anything else the focus of our church, that's idolatry. It doesn't mean we don't do those things. It doesn't mean we don't talk about them. It doesn't mean we don't invest in them. It just means that they aren't the number one thing. You know, I, I want when people talk about our church, I want them to say things like, man, they have really really great worship, or they, they, you know, I love their food pantry, or they're really kind, but I would love if when people talk about our church, they say, they talk about Jesus a lot. They're always talking about Jesus. And my concern is, is a lot of churches, a lot of modern churches today, I've, I've had a, a lot of opportunities to, to visit other churches, and I listen to a lot of sermons online, and I read a lot of Christian books, and my concern is a lot, of, a lot of churches are talking about things that revolve around Jesus, but they're not talking about Jesus. They're talking about things like feeding the poor, which is good. They're talking about you know, racial reconciliation, which I have a huge passion for. They're talking about you know, worship music, but they're not talking about Jesus. And again, these are good things that Jesus cares deeply about and he calls us to do, but they can't elevate to a place that becomes primary in our church. And, and I want to do more than just talk about him. I want to do more than just talk about Jesus. I want our church to be people who know Jesus, who, who intimately know him. And that everything we do, whether it's, you know, children's ministry or worship or, or whatever we do, small groups, it, it, it just reflects this intimacy that we have with him. That everything else flows out of this intimacy that we have with Jesus. The way we do outreach, the way we, you know, the way we communicate with each other, the way we do community reflects Jesus. I want, that, I want Jesus to be the focus of our church. So what about with you personally? If we've, we've kind of talked about it as a church, but what about you personally? Is Jesus your focus? You know, let me, let me ask you it in this way. If someone was to come and spend a few months with you, just kind of shadow you, what would they say is the most important thing in your life? What would they say is your focus? Would they say your career, 
your work? Would they say that's the most important thing? Would they say it's school or education? How about leisure time? How about television? Or, or what, what about your smartphone? They say that's, and I got a text. Let me just, no. <laughs> what about politics? What about, you know, college football? What about fitness and exercise? All, all things, they might say, that's this person's focus. What about something like this, like a really good thing, like family? Would they, they say that family is the most important thing? Would they say that your kid's soccer practice is more important than what God is calling you to do? I know that might be stepping on some toes. Would they say that, you know, your kid's extracurricular activities are more important than you being involved in church? These are things that really convict me. I'm not, I I want you to know, I'm not, you know, speaking as someone who's got this all figured out. I'm, I'm speaking as someone who needs to hear this. Remember, idols can be good things that we've elevated into the primary thing. Wimber used to say, show me, John Wimber, by the way, he used to say, uh, show me a man's checkbook and I'll tell you what he worships. Where do you spend your money? Where do your finances go? And, you know, I think we could take that a step further. Not just our finances, but where do you spend all your time? Where do you spend your money? Where do you spend your time? Where do your, what do you daydream about? What is your hope for? Like when you, when you close your eyes and think, man, if I could just do this, are they things of the kingdom? Because if they're not, there's a, there's a good indication that maybe we have idols. St. Augustine calls us uh, idol factories. That we are constantly, once we get rid of one, we're building a new one. Hebrews 12, I love this. this the, the author of Hebrews says, let's throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with the perseverance that the race marked out for us. Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Essentially saying, whatever's getting in the way of, of your simple, pure devotion to Christ, throw it away. Are we willing to give up those things that we love for our relationship with Jesus? Really ask yourself, as we start 2017, like, are we really making Jesus the, the, the primary focus in our life? And this, make this a daily question that you ask yourself. Are you, are we making Jesus the focus? You know, we're going to be doing that worship and prayer night coming up. And I think, I want to use this as a time that we can gather as a church and just say, you are our focus, Jesus. That'd be awesome if we all just came and said, we're going to make worshiping you our, our priority. We're going to make worshiping you, Jesus, our, our main priority. Are we resolved to know nothing but Christ crucified? Let's, let's focus our eyes on him. And, and, and moving on from that, if our focus is, is Jesus, 
If that's our focus, then what is our source? How do we, how do, we do the, the Christian walk? How do we do what God has called us to do? Our source is this. Our source is the Holy Spirit. We want to be a church that is filled with the Spirit. We want to be a Spirit-filled church. Again, I know that that phrase can, can seem kind of churchy, like, are you Spirit-filled? Are you filled with the Spirit? But it, it is so key we understand what it means. You know, towards the end of Jesus' life here on earth, he was, he was talking with his followers, and he was saying, he was telling them, like, I'm going to die, I'm going to be crucified, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave. And, uh, you know, some of them didn't understand that, uh, but the ones who did begin to get really fearful and, and afraid. But listen to what Jesus says in, in the book of John. He says, I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you, and be with you forever, the spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. This is a theme throughout the entire Bible of being filled with the spirit. In the Old Testament, you see it uh, more spotty. It was reserved for certain people for prophets, for priests, and for kings. The, the Holy Spirit would come and fill them up to do a certain task, and then the Holy Spirit would leave. But the cool thing, and I wish I could get deeper into this, but the cool thing is about what Jesus did is that now the Holy Spirit is for all of us. And do you know that there are commands? There's commands in the New Testament to be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. We want to be filled with him. And when the scripture refers to being filled, it's, it's, a, it's a Greek word called pleru. And this word has so many cool implications, but I want, to, I want to highlight a couple. That the tense of this word pleru is present and perfect. And I am not an English major, so I don't know what that means. But what I've learned about what that means is that it's, it's a constant filling. It's not just a filling that happens and then you're done. It's a constant filling up. Like constantly be filled with the Holy Spirit. Keep being filled with the Holy Spirit. Gordon Fee, who's this brilliant theologian, he calls this idea of being filled with the Holy Spirit, he calls it the ultimate imperative. That it is the ultimate imperative for us as followers of Jesus to be filled with with the Spirit. So what does that mean? What does it look like to be filled with the Spirit? What does the Spirit do when He fills us? Well, I think the Spirit wants to do four basic things in our life. There's these four things, and I mean, honestly, the Spirit can do whatever He wants, and He does. He doesn't follow my rules. But as you look through Scripture, there are these four categories um, that, that the Spirit does. The first thing that he does is he guides us. He guides us. The Spirit wants to guide your life. He wants to lead you. Constantly throughout Scripture, you'll see phrases like led by the Spirit. Or being led by the Spirit, so-and-so did such-and-such. The Spirit wants to lead us, wants to guide us. 
wants to show us how to navigate through hard, tough decisions, wants to show us new things that he's calling us to do, wants to to say, hey, look over here. This is a cool thing that I want to do with you. The Holy Spirit wants to guide us, wants to say, hey, I know that you're trying to decide whether you should buy this house or whether you should stay put. Listen to me. I want to lead you. I want to guide you. That's one of the, the main functions that the Holy Spirit does. And he does it all kinds of ways through like, you know, crazy supernatural ways where you voice and, you know, thoughts and, and all kinds of stuff like that. And also he does it through scripture. And he does it through, through his body, through us. But he guides us and leads us. The next thing that he does is he comforts us. The Holy Spirit comforts us. And actually, the, the, the verse that we read about Jesus saying, uh, I'm gonna, this, there'll be a, the, an advocate will be sent, is the word paraclete. It's the word paraclete that means to be comforted, to comfort, or to, to advocate. And we see the word paraclete all throughout the New Testament. It's the Holy Spirit is the comforter or the advocate. He comes when we're distraught, when we're, when we're fearful, when we're mourning, when we're angered, and he comforts us. He gives us peace. He gives us hope. He gives us joy in the midst of those things. The other cool thing about this word paraclete, it was, it was a legal term. It was a legal term that, that meant when you were standing before a judge and you were, you were having to you know, give your case before a judge, a paraclete, Paraclete was one who would plead your case for you, who would be your advocate in court and say, no, I know you think that this guy did this, but he didn't. I saw him over here. Or I know that you think that, you know, this guy was, you know, in this place, but he wasn't. I know him. We were having dinner together. A paraclete was your advocate, was someone who would plead your case for you. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. Sometimes he even pleads your case to you. He speaks against the lies that you've chosen to believe. To say, no, that's not who you are. You are not a slave to sin. You are not a loser. You are not a failure. You are not those things that your parents said about you. You are not insignificant. You are not unlovable. That's what the Holy Spirit, the comforter, the advocate says. I love that. So he guides us. He comforts us. The next thing that he does is, depending on the tradition you come from, is maybe the only thing he does, or or he doesn't do it at all. But he convicts us. He convicts us. And this is a good thing. I know the conviction part sounds like, ugh, let's skip this one. And I sometimes feel like that. But it is good. It is so good. I am so thankful when I'm not living in my selfish flesh that the Holy Spirit convicts me. That he says, no, 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 no. Jay, that's not what I made you for. I didn't make you for that. Come on over here. Like, oh yeah, thank you. We're saying, no, that, this is not good. Get out of this situation. Stop doing that thing. You're, you're harming yourself. You're harming others. Stop it. It's that conviction that we feel comes from the Holy Spirit. This is not what I made you for. I made you for something greater. 
He shows us our sins. He highlights them. And that can, that can not be fun sometimes, but I'll tell you what, man, there is like, there's something so comforting. It's like a father. who just see, like when I see my daughter Olive, you know, about to do something that's gonna hurt her, and I say, no, don't do that. Come here, I got you. It's not because I wanna be just some like horrible, you know, cosmic police officer that's a big killjoy. I want, I want the most for my daughter. And that's, what the, that's why the Holy Spirit convicts us. So he guides us, he comforts us, he convicts us. And this one's cool, this one's fun, is he empowers us. He empowers us. And this is like a ton of different things that I'm combining into one thing. But he, he empowers us, he gives us strength, he gives us wisdom, he gives us, you know, you know just the, the desire to go forward. He gives us boldness. He gives us, you know, patience, and he gives us peace. He gives us faith. He gives us stuff. He empowers us. Sometimes it's supernatural stuff, like, like healing. He gives us the power to heal, to cast out demons, to, to, to get prophetic words for people. He empowers us. And sometimes it's just, this, you know, it, it, it's no less supernatural, but it can sometimes appear not supernatural. Like, he gives us, like, just the, the peace to, to move forward. Or he gives us just, like, some supernatural wisdom. Like, yeah, you know what? I'm going to do this instead. Or I think you should do this. The, the Holy Spirit empowers us. So he leads us, he comforts us, he convicts us, and he empowers us. And I want to I be a church that is full of the Holy Spirit. I want to be a church that, that just, you know, is, is letting the Holy Spirit come and, and do whatever he wants. You know, if we, you know, like we were talking about at the beginning of all these issues that we see in our culture, in our, in our country, in, in our community here, in our families, if we want to see real change happen, the key isn't filling our pews with people. The key is not filling these chairs with people. It's filling us people with the Spirit. If we are Spirit-filled people, we are going to change our communities. Which leads me to my final point. What is he calling us to do? What is he calling us to do? And I know this is going to disappoint some of you because some of us want a big sign that says what our calling is. But our calling is this. It's to be obedient. Our call is obedience. Letting him lead us. Letting him speak to us. Letting him do what he's going to do. Jeremiah 7.23 says, Obey me. I will be your God and you'll be my people. Walk in obedience to all I command you. Like if we had to simplify what our call is, it's just to obey. You know, whether it's obeying something in scripture or obeying his leading, obeying, you know, whatever he's calling us to do. Over the, over the past year, we've used this term to be deliberate disciples. That God is calling us to be deliberate disciples. And what we mean by that is if we read something in the Bible that says, hey, love your neighbor, let's do it. Let's do it. Let's be deliberate in being disciples. 
We don't want to be just a church that's filled with the Spirit and just hogs it. I find that I do that sometimes. And I, I see a lot of kind of charismatic movements do that where they'll say, come Holy Spirit, and then they just, oh, this feels good. This feels good. But we don't want to be that. That's not why the Holy Spirit empowers us. In, in Acts chapter 1, Jesus says, you will receive my power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The reason the Holy Spirit empowers us is so that we may be his witnesses, so that we may join with him in his great uh, plan to reconcile the world back to himself. God's on a mission to fix what was lost in the fall, and he is asking us to join with him, and he's empowering us to do it. We talked about the coming and, and going of the kingdom a lot this past year, that we come to, 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 to the Lord to be filled, and then we go and give it away. We come to be filled, and then we go and give it away. I like the analogy of we're called to be funnels but not buckets. A bucket just is filled and then it stays filled. A funnel needs to constantly be filled and it pours out. It pours out. And we're called to be funnels. He's calling us to co-labor with him. The Great Commission. It's his mission. Now it's the co-mission. doesn't mean we're equal with him. He's just calling us to join with him what he's doing. And our job is to be focused on Jesus, to be focused on Christ, to be filled with the Spirit, and obey when he speaks to us. I love this quote by Watchman Nee. He says, The mind of the spiritual man cooperates with the Spirit. The mind of the spiritual man cooperates with the Spirit. I often hear people say things like, Hey, just let the Holy Spirit do his thing. You know, you just, you know, let go and let God. And I understand there's truth in that. I'm not saying that that's wrong. But you know what I think it kind of sometimes uh, enables us to do is just to not cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is calling us to join with him, not to just stand back and watch him do a lot of cool stuff. He's empowering us to do cool stuff. We need to let the Holy Spirit do his thing, but we need to cooperate when the Holy Spirit is doing his thing. He's asking things of us. He's, he's saying, I want you to go here, and we must be obedient. We must obey. You know, when he guides us, when he leads us, we could just blow it off. You know, he might be saying, go over here. We might be saying, I'm just going to go this way instead. When he, can, when, he, when he comforts us, when he advocates for us, we can say, you know what? I'm going to choose to believe these lies instead. I'm going to choose to believe this instead. When he convicts us, we can choose to ignore it and not listen. And we've gotten, at least I got, have gotten really good at kind of ignoring that conviction. Or we can listen to it and be obedient. And when he empowers us, 
We can choose to move in that authority, to move in that power, to move in that boldness, or we can hog it. Or we can just say, you know what? That seems scary. I don't want to do that. He's calling us to be obedient. And if we allow ourselves to be filled with the Spirit and to respond and be obedient, we will see so many amazing things happen. We will. So what's the Holy Spirit wanting you to do today? You know, is he asking you to give up a behavior? Is there some kind of behavior that's just kind of taken a hold of your life? Or that's just always been a nagging thing in your life that he's saying, it's time we deal with this. Is he asking you to start coming to church more regularly? Is he asking you to get involved in a ministry like the food pantry or something? Is he asking you to, to, to start really seriously considering missions? Is he, well, I don't know. What is he asking you to do? But here's the thing. So many times we want the big call. We want to know, God, what are you calling me to do? Like, where, are you calling me to be a missionary in Brazil? Are you calling me to be a pastor? What are you calling me to do? And I find sometimes God does give us those calls. He does. But you know what I find he does more often? He says, take a step. Take a step. He says, here's another step. Why don't you go over here? Hey, why don't you do this? Why don't you go talk to this, your neighbor? Why don't you love your neighbor today? Hey, why don't you go to this class about blah, blah, blah? And the more we just start being obedient in those small things, the more we, we've realized I am stepping into my calling. I'm stepping into my calling. You know, what's the, the, what's the, the old phrase that, that, you know, a journey of a, of a million miles starts with one step? Where is God calling you to be obedient today? And oftentimes, when we start becoming more and more obedient in the small things, the big things start opening up. We show that we're trustworthy and we're, we're willing to do what he's called us to do. I love, I love the, the words of Jesus where he says, my father's always at work. He also says, you know, I, I, only, see what I, see, I, I only do what I see the father doing. And that's what he's calling us to do. You know, he's always doing something. He's always up to something. And he's calling us to just kind of step into that. Take a small step. And you know who's, who's awesome at this is my wife. My wife has taught me so much about just taking these little steps. You know, she's so good in just in the everyday things, just being an obedient. Like, we'll go out to, to, you know, the mall to do some shopping, and she'll say, oh, the Lord's telling me to smile at this person. She'll smile. Okay. Sometimes nothing happens. It's just a smile. Or she'll say, oh, I'm, I'm supposed to go tell this lady that I really like her boots. She'll, she'll do it. She's just so good at saying yes to just, like, the, these, you know, what seem to be mundane things, but I've seen it over and over again change people's days. Like, just affect people. Oh, like, oh, thank you. I've been having a really hard day. Thank you for saying you like my earrings. 
And then sometimes it's more supernatural things. It's like, hey, I want you to go ask this person if, 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 if you can pray for them. Or, or, you know, it's all kinds of stuff. I, over the holiday season, we were going to a Christmas party, and we, she had a bunch of cupcakes that we were bringing to the party, and we had to stop and get gas. We stopped at this gas station, and uh, she went in and talked to the attendant, and like she makes friends with... <laughs> gas station attendants all the time. She comes back out and she's just full of tears. She's full of tears and she said, the Lord show, like, gave me compassion for this woman and showed me that this woman was just having a really hard time and I'm gonna give her some cupcakes. So she went in and said, hey, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a follower of Jesus and he was, he was telling me to give you these cupcakes and just tell you how much he loves you. And the woman just burst into tears burst into tears and said, you don't, you don't know how much this means to me. Like, you don't know how hard of a season I've been in. I, don't, I wasn't actually in there, but I did see the woman crying, and I was like, oh no, what happened? <laughs> but the woman needed this. And it all started with, with my wife, Lara, just being obedient in a little small thing. So what if we were a church? Well, let's just take a minute. Let's dream for a minute. What if we were a church that was so in love and focused on Jesus? And we talked about him all the time and we, we experienced him and we invited him and we just got to know him and we, we knew so much of his heart and we felt his heart for, for our community. What if we were a church that just was focused so much on Jesus and we said, we're committed to do these other things, but we are, we are so focused on you. And we were a church that was regularly inviting the Holy Spirit and opening up ourselves to say, Holy Spirit, come and do what you're going to do in, our, in us, in our church, in our lives. And we really meant it. It wasn't just a prayer that said, Holy Spirit, come. But we meant it. And what if we were a church that was obedient to the Holy Spirit? I, I, think, I think we could change our whole community. I think we could. Why don't, why don't we commit and not just be a, you know, a 2017 uh, resolution where like, you know, next week we're doing something else. But what if we committed today and then for the rest of our lives to do this as a church and, a, and as individuals? Why don't we stand? Here's how I want to end. I feel, like, I feel like the Holy Spirit wants to do something a little different than what I was planning. And that's okay. Let's come, Lord. Sometimes the Holy Spirit does speak in unusual ways and... I just love the way he works because he shared what I believe is a message of his heart during worship before I knew anything about what JT was going to talk about. So I'll just share the word and then I'll, I'll say one more thing about it. During worship, I felt the power of the weight of expectations in the room, some of us, um, just that word expectations. And I felt like the Lord said 
don't bow to the power of earthly or cultural or maybe even family expectations. Rather, allow me to be the center. Allow me to lift you up with the power of my unconditional love. You are my beloved, and I have other plans for you. So I felt like as JT was talking about idolatry, sometimes the idols that kind of take over in our lives have a lot to do with some of the expectations that we're feeling, the pressure yeah. we're feeling from the culture or from, um, from family situations or whatever. And those things are all very important, but they can take our focus yeah. off Jesus. And I really believe the Lord wants to just break the power of the expectations that are not coming from his heart today. Yeah, that's really good. Why don't we do this? Why don't we, why don't we bow our heads? If you feel comfortable. I'm, I'm going to say a prayer, and I want you, if you, if you uh, agree with it, to just say it in your hearts. And I want to kind of Take today as, you know, we're gathered from all of our three services to just take a time to say, this is what we are focused on. This is what we're going to do, Lord. So, Jesus, we fix our eyes on you. The author and perfecter of our faith, we fix our eyes on you. And we confess right now that we have put our focus on so many other things. Expectations on career, on, on, you know, family, on leisure time, on all these different things, Lord. We confess right now and we repent of it and say, we focus on you, Christ. As a church, we collectively focus on you. And as individuals, we focus on you. Lord, we ask that you reveal more of who you are to us. Show us more of your character, of your heart. Show, show us what you love. Teach us. Lord, we ask that our, our, our knowledge of you won't just be head knowledge, but it will be an intimate heart knowledge. That you will be closer than a brother. That you will be uh, closer than any relationship that we have. We ask that for, for just that that would be a reality for us today. And Father, we just ask that you send your Holy Spirit even more. We believe that the Holy Spirit is here among us and we just ask that you open our eyes to the reality of that. And fill us. Fill us, Lord. Fill this church with your spirit. Lord, we ask uh, for, like, like in Acts, for miraculous miracles. We ask for healing, Lord, in this church. We, we speak against cancer in the name of Jesus. We pray that we can be your, your, your hands and feet in this community, that you empower us to do those things. We ask that you give us strength. 
We ask that you come and comfort us, Lord. Lord, that that some of us are dealing with loss. Some of us are dealing with with frustration, with heartache, with, with just one thing after another, Lord. And we pray, we say, we cry out and say, we need our comforter. We need you. Fill us, Lord. And Lord, we just pray that we can act with boldness, that we can be a church and and, and people who don't just talk the talk, but walk the walk. Open our eyes. So why don't we just take, we have a, a couple minutes left. Let's open our hands and just wait on the Spirit. This might be weird for some, some of us, and that's okay. You don't have to do it if, if, you, if you don't want to. And if you have any questions, I, I just want to encourage you to come, come, come talk to us. We'd love to talk to you more about this stuff. But Holy Spirit, come and fill up this room. Break chains right now. Break chains. In the strong name of Jesus, I speak freedom over you. Freedom from sin, freedom from lies, freedom from expectations. In the name of Jesus, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So we cry out, freedom! Freedom in the name of Jesus. Freedom from sickness in the name of Jesus. Let it come more. We command all that entangles us, all that enslaves us to be gone in the name of Jesus and we proclaim freedom. In the name of Jesus. Hmm. Amen. Well, guys, I encourage you to, to, we don't want this to be the focus of 2017. We want this just to be the focus. Um, So I encourage you guys, as you leave here today, to, to really, over the next few weeks, ask yourself these questions. Where is my focus? Where is my focus? What am I spending my time, my money, my, my, all those things? And, and, uh, really allow the Holy Spirit to start changing those things. But bless you guys. Have a, have a wonderful uh, year. I'll see you guys next week. And we need uh, some folks to stack the chairs up. So if some people want to stick around and stack them up six high and, and push them to the front. But bless you guys. I will see you later. Bye-bye. <laughs>